Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragnesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Led Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Math Machine, Angron, and Lucky Evie. Today is our 13th episode, and we're discussing 1996's Quack Pack episode, Leader of the Quack, so let's get things started. So, the, fun, the interesting thing is, Quack Pack is technically the first starring role in television for a certain Mr. Donald Duck. There was a one television series that came before this called Donald's Quack Attack, but that was just a bunch of uh, Donald Duck shorts basically uh, stitched together. Not to and mention he... DuckTales technically uh, only had Donald, like one appearance. Yeah, he only had like one, one cameo appearance, and he made a couple of appearances in uh, Walt Disney's anthology series and some episodes. But yeah, this was the first show basically to star Donald Duck, and... It's really fascinating how, for decades, Disney was really reluctant to even, like, dip a toe in the waters of, like, television cartoons. Yeah, because all the stuff in, like, uh, Walt Disney Presents, for the most part, there were some episodes with, like, brand new animation done. Of course, the Ludwig von Drake segments, like, stuff like Mars and Beyond, things like, you know, A Day in the Life of Donald Duck and things like that. But for the most part, it just used a lot of archival footage same with Mickey Mouse Club, same with their first Saturday morning show, which was something called uh, something called The Mouse Factory, and that it was about basically a bunch of uh, Disney shorts strung together by a celebrity host. And it yeah. didn't take until uh, the 1980s. It didn't take until Wuzzles. It didn't take Actually, until the Wuzzles, Yeah, the Wuzzles honestly, and uh, the Gummy Bears were the first two big successes. And, of course, then they oh, made yeah. DuckTales, which was a monster hit. And oh, yeah. We, we definitely will talk a little bit more in depth about the history of Disney's, you know, early television cartoons in the podcast episode about gummy bears when we get to that. Yeah. But yeah, Quack Pack is definitely an interesting show. It was going to be a a direct sequel to DuckTales. Scrooge McDuck was apparently going to show up uh, pretty often as a reoccurring character, but sadly they decided to scrap that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, and the biggest change of the show, and the one that most uh, mm-hmm. Disney Duck fans basically note when they see it, is they made Huey, Dewey, and Louie into teenagers. And this could have worked, but the way I feel about it, just basically you know, looking at some other clips of it, not from this episode, but from other ones, it is very much, how do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, With, uh, for the most part, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, and to defend them a little bit, like, given the fact that, like, in the past, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were about as dyna- were about as diverse as, say, I don't freaking know, the brothers from Adventures in T-Rex. That's another thing we should talk about later. But, honestly, uh, I feel that looking at this, uh, I feel that looking at these three, it kind of feels like they have, like, even when they're different, they honestly look. Uh, they honestly act very more or less similar. I mean, there are su- there are certain subtle tones that help make them like uh, very very different. But old- overall, I would honestly say uh, that even when they're different, they uh, 
they kind of do feel the same. It, it, it's not a bad thing that they did. No, it just no, feels all, like it just feels like uh, it just feels like they weren't different enough. It didn't take until 2017's Ducktales where we truly got like differentiation between the, between the them, trio. Yeah. You know, yep. exactly, exactly. But what also is interesting is uh, their voice actors because Huey is voiced by Janine Ellis, better known as. Princess Toadstool from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Dewey is voiced by the uh, voice actress who played Spinelli on Disney's Recess, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. And Louie is voiced by Elizabeth Daly, who you recognize her voice right away. I mean, she's Tommy Pickles and she's Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls. So that's a voice you recognize like right (laughs) away. Yeah, I mean, I honestly had a feeling you were going to say something about Powerpuff Girls, but I didn't know who you were going to say about Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing, too, is that Disney reused these designs only one more in House of Mouse. And even then, uh, they'd alternate between these and their younger designs on episodes of that. Like, it'd have them looking like this, and then it'd cut to a Mickey Mouse short where they're like basically their younger you know, Donald's nephew selves in it. So it's funny that how Disney basically kind of uh, pushed this under the rug for a time being, although this is the first appearance of Tress McNeil as Daisy Duck, and she's currently still her voice actress, and she does a phenomenal job with the character. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's really good to see she got her start here. And, yep, so let's get started with the episode in general. The intro yeah. definitely uh, starts off on a bad point. It definitely has that, like, 1990s, you know, extreme edgy to it. You know, it's like, you For know. For the most part. It definitely, I... it definitely has that vibe to it. Oh, also, another thing to note, this came out after Mighty Ducks. I mean, I love both. But, like, oh, man. I, I, I Okay, honestly, I think I prefer Mighty Ducks more, but... Come on, it's for come on. It was the '90s. We really, yeah, exactly. Really couldn't it's have done to too much better at that point. It's easy to look back with hindsight, you know. Yeah, what also, cool early now, 90s, late, two, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, boy, right here. So I can't really same, complain. Same, same. But like I said, uh, it's easy to look back with hindsight. Like what could be cool right now could be really dated in like you know 20 years. Like in 20 years, kids might be. Oh man, remember we used to watch Mr. Beast and like, you know, TikTok videos? You know, it, it always has a cycle, I feel. But yeah, uh, this episode definitely is uh, an interesting one in that, in that uh, basically Donald Duck is not on the receiving end of the slapstick for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Definitely for his character, and basically that's what people know him for, is a really, really unique touch. And yeah. there's also like um, several little changes to the characters. One of which that I do like is that they uh, gave Daisy a little bit more agency by making her a news reporter. It's definitely one yeah. of the changes that I feel actually worked for the better for this show. And I feel actually they could have stuck with that as basically her character for like the future shorts and that, but they didn't go anywhere. One yeah. change I do not get, and to me it just seems totally arbitrary, why is Donald Duck wearing a Hawaiian shirt? I mean, maybe- I mean, okay, I'm I'm gonna stop you right there because, firstly, have you, do you know about Donald Duck's history? The guy was a in the freaking navy for yeah, crying out loud. So, like honestly, shirt. seeing him wear a uh, Hawaiian shirt, for the most part, it works because he was for a time in the navy, and two, 
I mean, have you seen where they lived? It's basically California, so that's true, that's it's, true. it's it's so it's not like it's not out of so it's not like it's out of place entirely. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's not definitely like 90s, but not in a way that makes it feel like you know out of place or very confusing. So yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right there. My but, assumption was that it was just the out of touch old timer clothing kind of thing. Kind of that, but more, for the most part, it works because he's uh, in the Navy again, and also because California, and California had a lot of beach wear, you know? But yeah, yeah like I, I said, this is like, oh, hey, sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, I get that. Okay, okay. but yeah, like I said, uh, the episode definitely has a really uh, interesting beginning with um, them arriving in Quaintania, this, like, kind of Brigadoon-esque place where it's still the Middle Ages, and Donald the Amish be medieval times. Basically, basically. But, like, Donald <laughs> arriving and him being the king is definitely something that, you know, you expect it, but the way that they deal with it is kind of funny. Um, and I do like the one aspect, and we'll talk more about her later, about Donald defeating the dragon just because he gets, like, upset and wants to go home. It, that is so in character for him that he completely does it yeah. by accident because he gets upset and just wants to get out of there. He's like the Hulk, but a little more reserved. Yeah, and definitely with more of an anger issue. If you see some of those old shorts, he could definitely... Oh, yeah. That guy had fucking anger issues. Like, Jack and the Beanstalk alone. Yeah, exactly. Part of that that comes from, like, him having, like, sort of PTSD from, like, the war. I read that. I read something about that. Yeah, I I mean it's certain, but yeah, it it's still in character, but that's something that's very interesting to note. Yeah, you know. So like I say, they have uh, this new character in this show called Kent Powers, who to me just seems like a discount version of like Troy McClure, and he's definitely a character that I don't know. I can see what they were trying to go for with like his like whole smarmy newsman personality, but. For me, it just doesn't really work out. It feels like a lot of the slapstick that is that he gets through this, like because he wants to be a knight and he gets like you know clobbered by the knight in the Johnson competition, then he gets beaten with the mason. That it's like this is stuff that they could be doing with actually Donald himself, and it would have been way funnier. Uh, Donald, yeah, yeah, he lacks it. all the charm of J. Jonah Jameson. Let's exactly, be fair. Exactly. Let's exactly. be fair. Exactly. This guy is like a character who really he has no reason to exist. I don't think he was in any of the Duck comics or anything like that, so you can't use that as an excuse. Honestly, he's a show exclusive is the only excuse I can see. Yeah, I definitely He's not terrible, but again, he couldn't have he could have been a whole lot better and he could have been a whole lot worse. Worse, yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, um the evil prince, uh Prince uh, Gaylord is voiced by Charlie Adler who, again, is another actor who you have heard in literally everything. He's probably best remembered for Buster Bunny of Tiny Toons Adventure, but he did everything. Uh. I mean everything. He was Cool World. He was Mr. Whiskers and Brandy and Mr. Whiskers. I mean, this guy's voice, he was Ickus and Ah Real Monsters. And the funny thing, when I first watched this, I didn't think it was Charlie Adler. I thought instead, because he sounds exactly in the role of the evil prince, like John Kassir, who is best known for playing the Crypt Keeper, which kind of annoyed me when I found out it wasn't him, because I wrote a whole bunch of notes about the prince being the Crypt Keeper while he was alive, and now I can't do that. But sometimes you gotta take what you get. Yeah. 
But yeah, like I said, the slapstick in the episode is well done. Just the fact that it's not done to Donald Duck himself is kind of a missed opportunity. And It's a missed again, opportunity. No Honestly, guys had too much slapstick done to him in, like, say, the old cartoons and DuckTales. I think he deserves a break here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see that, but it's like, they didn't really do much of anything with it, which is kind of weird, especially for like a Donald Duck show, because that's like one of the one of the things that he's best known for. It's like when they tried doing the uh, Tom and Jerry show in like the '80s without as much slapstick. It's like, oh yeah, the Tom and Jerry missing. kids show. Yeah, it's like about something that. is missing. You know, it's like there's a piece of it. It's like when they removed Garfield from Garfield comics. You know that there's something missing there, and it's just weird to see it without it. Yeah. yeah, the uh, running gag with the trumpets are pretty good, and yeah, I feel like a lot of it uh, definitely is well done, and it's ironic that we picked an episode of the show, probably the episode of the show, with like the least amount of screen time for a Huey, Dewey, and Louie total. Yeah. Basically, the uh, one who gets all the things to do is Louie, who basically accidentally starts a revolution because all of Donald's completely inane decrees, like... No parking in the white zone, which I got that was a pretty good gag, you know. Yeah. And you say you want a revolution, well, you know. I'm sorry. Every time I hear revolution, I think of two things: the Wolverine scene from Marvel Superhero Squad, where they're like there are like clones of Wolverine, and like that Beatles song. That is easily my favorite Beatles song, hands down. It I don't blame it. I don't blame it. It's like hopefully this uh, channel doesn't get demonetized for that though. I don't if think it, it would. I don't think it would. You know, just, I don't think, <laughs> Anyways. I, don't, I think we're safe with that. You know, Acapella yeah. probably wouldn't get, you know, struck down. But, I yeah. Anyways. But yeah, uh, definitely the part with, you know, Daisy being a news reporter, it allows her to be more proactive in basically the episode story. Yeah. Which I definitely do like that. I like that Disney actually basically took a risk with the character and, you know, made her more progressive, but in a way that definitely works, I feel, for the character. And yeah. again, like I say, Tress McNeil did a fantastic job as the character, and it's no surprise that she's still, you know, the voice actress, because she is great. And now we talk, and now, of course, the episode Why Donald is Made King is because he supposedly slays a dragon, and now it is time to talk about that dragon. Or dragoness. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dragoness Nelly. Now the funny thing, when we first see her, it was in a flashback, which, by the way, Donald is wearing his sailor suit in the flashback. So nice. another interesting little uh, cute thing right there. She look but back to Nelly, she looks like Maleficent more than basically her wrote basically how she looked later on in the episode. And once she's actually rampaging through the village and Donald accidentally defeats her by driving away and knocking a catapult onto like the dam which extinguishes her fire basically the basically she has a completely different more more feral appearance which i think is a cute bit of misdirection yeah and like we could have gotten maleficent again and but they did something honestly, totally different yeah they did something totally different and honestly I feel that works because it does work. It does work because Nelly herself is actually a very, very charming and very endearing person when she's not being used for evil like she is. And it again, yeah, it it honestly gives her. It also gives uh, Daisy a chance to help change the dragon for the better, and that's honestly a very, 
very nice touch. Having a dragon being changed for the better. Yeah, I do like that. That is definitely and one again, of the aspects adds to, I enjoy about her. Again, and again, it adds to Daisy's character because, like, she Daisy uh, became more active in this, and uh, I'm very uh, happy that they decided to uh, mm-hmm. make sure that she. Uh... Okay, hang on here. Let me think. Uh, uh, and I'm really happy that they made sure to have Daisy like uh, actively do something rather than just be like the token gal, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, when we actually get to see Nellie in the episode proper. She has a lot more of that classic Disney, you know, Disney, you know, Elliot, uh, bottom heavy look. And Adult apparently, according and to, exactly, and I was th- that leads into my next point. She actually is kind of based on, and you can kind of see her at, as a modern version of the Reluctant Dragon. Apparently, yeah. according to like the show it notes, they actually based it on her, <laughs> and you definitely, definitely can see that. Yeah, 80s clothing and all. Definitely, definitely. But I, I like that. The fact that she really wears cool. clothes like that like you know she wears like the tank top the headband and the sneakers on like the dragon balls that's a fun little touch i feel like that also serves to give her more character than if she was just like you know yeah. a dragon. It's something that is very unique especially by a design standpoint because let's face it how many dragonesses that we're going to talk about on this podcast are going to wear any sort of articles of clothings probably very 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 few and nelly is one of the very few, few so yeah that definitely is something that you know is a nice touch one thing yeah. again that is interesting is that she has really tiny, like almost like vestigial wings on her back. But yet in the yeah. flashback, they look more like you know large and imposing, like Maleficent's. Which yeah. uh, I guess opinion, that prince really made her really tame in those days. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, you're like, have you seen this gal? She's got a big gut, and she's got like she's yeah. hardly had any time to flex them since then. Exactly. Can you really tame her? The castle, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But yeah, uh, Nellie's voice actress is uh, Julie Brown. She was a very popular comedian in the 80s and 90s. And yet again, she's another person who, if you've uh, basically heard animation and like of the time period, you know her. She was in Tiny Toon Adventures, where she basically uh, pr- played herself as like an MTV host, which she was. Mm. She was an Animaniacs as Minverna Mink. And she starred in her own movie in the 80s called Earth Girls Are Easy. Which starred, oh, no yeah. joke, Jim Carrey, Jeff Goldblum, and I think Damon Wayans as three aliens who basically look for, you know, you know, basically to learn about Earth women and stuff like that. It's a very, very bizarre musical comedy of the of the time period, and she's great in it. She she really was a great actress and she had a great comedic thing. I don't know what she's doing now. I think she's kind of semi retired, but it definitely uh, could be uh, Julie Brown, the voice actress behind Earth. Nellie in this episode. Yeah. I honestly don't know what she's doing either. Yeah, I think that she's kind of semi-retired now, but she <laughs> definitely deserves it because she was definitely a definitely a great, great actress and a great voice actress because she really, really helps with Nellie's personality because Nellie is such a fun, fun take on a dragoness, I feel. It yeah, definitely is she's... one that even today, like, you know, 30 some odd, uh, not 30, 25 some odd years later. It is so unique. Even you now, even for now, basically with how they depict her. Yeah. Like she's, she's very, yeah, she's honestly, her character is one of those things where it's like, she's very, she's very much, uh, in the beginning, uh, ditzy, uh, kind of like naive sort of, 
I'd somewhat I'd somewhat equate her more to the reluctant dragon than Elliot because Elliot at least no has a sense of what's right and what's wrong and to a sort of extent so does the reluctant dragon but the reluctant dragon has a little more lucky happy go lucky sort of thing like he's very much in his own little world for the most part but not in a way that where he doesn't acknowledge other people like, right, and right. we kind of get that sort of thing with Nell with Nelly in the beginning. However, thanks in part to Daisy, she ultimately uh, learns to like stand up for herself a little more. Like she sees through the prince trying to be a little bit of a snide and trying to trick her, and she ultimately uh, decides, uh, "Screw you, buddy!" and pretty much takes the role as king for herself or queen in this case. Yeah, nicely and from pretty much, uh and pretty much uh, goes about uh, ruling the kingdom in the stead of Donald, because, like, let's be fair, being a, let's be fair, Donald being a monarch would not really end well. Also, Guy at that point ha had pretty much had all he could have. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, like I say, uh, that definitely is part of the reason why I like her, and the fact that you know she, the reason she, the only reason that she actually puts up with the evil prince is because. He was the only one that wasn't afraid of her. Is a really cute backstory, and yeah. also like the just the juxtaposition between them because he's like a, a stereotypical evil prince. You know, he could be in basically any sort of like you know King Arthur story of that, and she's basically like a valley girl, happy-go-lucky type. Is yeah. really really fun. It definitely is a fun dynamic, and it's kind of a shame that Nelly only appears in like the latter half of the episode because I feel like if they had more time for her. They definitely could have had a lot of fun, you know, flushing out basically their dynamic. As it stands, it still is really, really well done. And it really, really is. It's a fun time. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that uh, one of the uh, aspects of her personality that I enjoy, and that, again, is a funny concept, is the reason that uh, she does basically his bidding is that he gives her gifts. Definitely is something that, you know, actually makes sense by, you know, dragon behaviors and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and it really does. And it, again, it kind, it, sorry, sorry. It kind of does uh, make Nelly feel like a wet blanket at first, but that's because, like, the king has been feeding her honeyed lies, so to speak. She's been, she was basically Todd Howarded, and she didn't know it until, like, Daisy decided to wake her up a little. Exactly. But yeah, like I say, um, the thing that is, like I say, funny about it too is it makes sense, of course, because a dragon is. I mean, what does a dragon want? A horde. And what are gifts? But, you know, a way for her to have more things than that. And the fact that, again, when she's talking with Daisy, she's just so casual about everything. And that, too, is another bit of, you know, misdirection that is really, really makes her stand out amongst pretty much... Pretty much all the dragonesses, really. She's definitely one of the more unique ones. And you can definitely yeah. see it with every frame of animation, basically. The fact that, again, she doesn't care about rampaging is another nice touch. And her just being so giddy that she could breathe fire again, thanks to those uh, basically snack things that Huey yeah. Dewey and Louie brought with them, is it really is almost just so cute how her yeah. rampage is more like her like playing around and giddily skipping. That definitely is something that again is so it really is well done dragon, really pretty is much funny. yeah it basically like i say yeah it exactly is reluctant dragon but it's a i think it's a different enough take on it to where she stands on her own two feet basically as like a one-off character and like a you know tv series from like the late 90s 
she definitely definitely holds up and yeah yeah i do enjoy also the fact when donald actually comes around to her she's just so casual about how she'll have to like burn him up i mean that that is just just the way she delivers it is it's just so so funny again a lot of it is with julie brown's delivery of her lines how she plays nelly basically as like you know, not so much, um, I don't want to say like vapid, because he definitely isn't, but more like casual, more like, you know, freewheeling type. Definitely, definitely yeah. is a fantastic, uh, you know, way to do things. But yeah, I feel like there definitely was a missed opportunity of not having more slapstick with Don Crushed by her, or no, yeah, it's crushed by, I think, one of the gifts, and it becomes like, you know, flattened in that. That pretty much is the only bit of slapstick I think that happens to Donald Duck, aside from like the trumpets alerting him in the episode, which again is something that is very strange for a character like Donald. He could have definitely had more slapstick of him dealing with her and that, but as it stands, it still is a fun time. The fact that basically they, basically her and the prince have to fight each other by trying to woo her over with gifts is. Again, it's something that I feel like could have been flushed out a little bit, but again, as it stands, it is a you know humorous enough way in that how they basically go about it. And of course, Donald saves solves the problem by making Nellie the queen, and she becomes her own dragon, and she gets rid of the evil prince, which of course is what he deserves. And yeah, yeah it actually is a real happy ending for her in that. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's actually good to see that, too, that, you know, she actually got to, you know, rule, basically, Quintania, and it, it seems like things are, will be going decent there, decent enough, with her as the leader. And there's one part of the ending that definitely doesn't make sense when they're driving away in, like, that RV. Huey, Dewey, and Louie mentioned, like, you know, oh, man, you know, we got all this money, and Daisy mentions that it's worth like a millionth of a cent, and they're like, oh, man, I hate ironic come up, and it's like, what ironic come up comeuppance? I mean, to be fair, they didn't even really do anything in this episode. When you get down to it, I mean, they pretty much uh, made a fortune in the kingdom, but like outside of it, if she, if Daisy freaking said that, uh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> they they honestly deserved that sort of thing because like it's not like terrible, but like <laughs> it uh. It honestly, uh, to, in a sort of extent, works because, like, they uh, they thought they were making like a king's ransom, but in the end, it was worth nothing. So I can yeah. kind of see that, yeah. But again, it's like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. At least in this episode, compared to some of the clips I watched, they weren't really too obnoxious in this episode. Which again, I am pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I'm very yeah. A lot of people shit on them for very unjust reasons i feel because like even though they have like that 90s dude i mean shit sonic had the same thing and people don't hate him he's yeah, like oh, for a while they did a while they did but now i feel like sonic is back on the you know love yeah. things but unlike yeah. the oh, late 2000s early 2010s i don't think people like sonic as much as they do today i feel like now they with again with hindsight there's more of an appreciation for it than there was say a decade ago yeah, and, and course, you know what's okay. funny? Yeah, you know what's funny? This entire, for the most part, all, all the females that I've seen in this show, Nellie, Antoinette, the Gator, like holy crap, the episode involving her, 
Like she really did all she really did uh more than her fair share on that one, other than just exactly. being, you know, a gator who had the hots for Donald. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm re- yeah, I'm really happy that uh Quackback had a lot more uh focus on female, like and doing it in a very justified and proper way. Not exactly, like just exactly. whatever the heck nowadays was doing, but yeah, like yeah. actually making them, you know, people. Not exactly. just you got it, you got yeah. it. Exactly. And I feel Nelly really embodies that for the most part. It's Definitely. it was like a real it was like a step forward, even though there were like a tiny bit of uh, scoots back. But so overall, definitely, this was definitely a show yeah. that was needed, even though it was like uh, shat on for like all for like for the most part valid reasons, but overall for the wrong reasons. You know, I get you. I get you entirely. And. Like I say, uh, the interesting thing is, of course, this episode, I think, ran for 65 episodes, like most of the uh, Disney shows at that time. And yet, uh, apparently, this show's failure, because apparently the ratings weren't that good, even though it got, like, the contractually obliged 65 that every single Disney show did until Kim Possible. I think it was, like, the mm. first to actually break that, because it was so insanely popular. Mm. But yeah, uh, Nelly sadly would never appear again outside this episode, and I feel that's a missed opportunity. I feel yeah. like there's ways you could incorporate her and in like, like say some say like Mickey Mouse works, a House of Mouse, or even like the 2013 uh, Paul Rudis shorts with you know Mickey and Donald. You definitely could find a way, I think, to actually incorporate her not as like a main character, like the Fab, the you know Sensational Six or anything, but. More along the lines of, like, say, Clara Cluck, yo. A, basically a reoccurring character, I feel, is something that definitely could work out uh, with her. Oh, and yeah. I think it's really a shame that Disney didn't do anything with her. Especially because, <sighs> you know, you could have her show up, you know, again, in things like, I feel like the best place to use her would have been in maybe Mickey Mouse Works. Although that She show, could have made an appearance in DuckTales for 2017, for crying that out loud. Too, that, that, that too, that's really surprising. I mean, they brought back Goofy from Goof Troop. They brought back, you know, Darkwing Duck, basically. They they really dug deep from the Disney afternoon, you know. I'm surprised they did not have her show up in any capacity, especially because compared to the first DuckTales, I feel like 2017 would definitely, I feel, you know, basically do more justice to her in this case. Yeah. And uh, right. speaking of uh, Clarabelle, uh, Cow, and Horse, Horse Collar, Disney was going to make a show about the two of them. Apparently, would have it would have had something to do with uh, space travel or something with uh, them. But this show's um, kind of ratings failure caused Disney to basically pull the plug on that, which is a shame because yeah. before Donald Duck, Clarabelle and Horace were basically Disney were basically not Disney's. They were they were Mickey Mouse's best friends. And yeah. after, after Donald Duck got introduced, they kind of got pushed to the wayside. Yeah, and that's like, a shame. When, yeah, when you watch shorts uh, pre-1934 with, like, you know, Mickey and that, he's usually hanging out with, you know, Goofy, who was, of course, before that, but also Clarabelle and Horace were, like, his two best friends, and they kind of got put to the side. And I'm not saying, you know, it's justified, because, let's be honest, Donald has way more characteristics and dynamics, but definitely would have been cool to see more of them as well. Oh, so- man. You, you want to know what's really uh, interesting about that is, like, Oh god! You know what's interesting? I just thought about yeah. now. Yeah. It's like there's this one moment in like uh, there's this one thing I remember seeing where it's like uh, where it's like a line where Goofy's like uh, where they're like uh, hiding behind hiding from a spider, and like Goofy's like, "Careful, Mick! 
Don't look him directly in the mandibles. Oh, God. Oh, come that's on, Goofy. Classic. It's just a little spider. And he opens <laughs> it. It's like a giant, oh, like a live axis, right? Uh, the Paul Rudin shorts really, yeah. really that They did Mickey Mouse justice in a way that has not been seen since House of Mouse, I feel. Or and it's also very like good. Maybe the Three Musketeers movie, because that was a good one. Oh, but yeah, that was probably very good. the Three Musketeers movie. I feel like Mickey really kind of got the shaft, but I feel like now it's bringing back to the way he was. And we'll definitely talk more about you know Mickey Mouse and classic Disney on the episode about uh, Mickey's House of Villains when we talk yeah. about that, probably around I, Halloween. But also, yeah, you know what? Uh, also, it it also that little short also cements how much Goofy and uh, Mickey are like you know friends like very much so and also uh, ironic thing about that i saw the fnaf i saw like a fnaf meme involving that it was monty gator and uh freddy and like they were opening the door and it was like the giant music man <laughs> oh god oh that's great <sighs> now it is time for the uh question of the week which is what disney tv cartoons are your favorite and why that yeah, uh, mine are definitely uh, two uh, that are probably two of the better known ones, which is uh, Recess, which again, as I said earlier in the episode, was probably one of my favorite shows as a kid. I actually really liked, although I love SpongeBob, SpongeBob is probably my favorite cartoon of all time. As a kid, I also liked shows like Recess and Hey Arnold and Doug. I just felt like there was something about those shows that kind of spoke to me as a kid, and Recess definitely is one of the uh, better ones in the kind of slice of life kid genre because the personality between all the you know kids and the characters it definitely is relatable. I feel like everybody has had like a you know teacher or somebody like that, like Miss Finster. Everybody has yeah. you know known kids like that, and I de definitely feel Recess in a whole. Even today, I think kids would understand it because it really speaks to what it is like to be a kid and to be out with your friends and having fun in that. And my second choice is, even though, you know, I really like some of the others, like, you know, Jake Long is just fantastic. You know, it really is good. But yeah. my second favorite one is probably going to be House of Mouse because mm. Mickey Mouse Works was a fun show on its own. It definitely was fun, but I feel like House of Mouse was when it needed to really push it to, like, excellence because... In comparison to something like, you know, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is just there to, like, uh, get checks on a check mark. You know, it's like, you know, oh, we got to get Marvel in. We got to get Star Wars in. We got to get Baby Groot in because... Uh, we got to get freaking, gotta get freaking Nick Wilde in there, even though he doesn't make all yeah. that appearance. Honestly, exactly. that's, one of, that's one of the only things I liked about it. Uh, there are others I did like, but, yeah, I, I kind of see where the hatred sort of lies. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, yeah, House of that, Mouse is House way of Mouse better, is honestly. A love letter. I mean, House of Mouse... Well, let's just say uh, House of Mouse played a love letter to basically every single aspect of Disney. Every single one. I mean, they actually referenced Tron with like the light cycle showing up. And they oh, had. Tron, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in an episode when you go, when they go into the garage, you can actually see the light cycles are there. I mean, if, if they go that. I need to watch this episode like, now. Yeah, yeah. And they had. Uh, the episode basically with Dennis the Duck was basically Disney acknowledging Oswald the Rabbit because at the time they made the show, Disney did not own Oswald again yet. So, Aww. yeah, basically, if you are a fan of Disney or even like a casual watcher of Disney, House of Mouse is just incredible. The way that it definitely was made with a labor of love and definitely how the characters interact with each other. And 
again, just seeing them basically all together in this shared space. Uh, nowadays, you have stuff like Ready Player One and, you know, Ralph Breaks the Internet and, like, Emoji Movie and all that stuff. But yeah. back then, to see all your favorite characters together in one place like that was something that really, really was unique. Let's say this way, because House of Mouse was in 2001, right? That was something that really had rarely been done before outside of stuff like Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. And again, that's, I think, why I like it so much, because it definitely is made with, you know, love and definitely is, it's funny as hell. It really is. House of Mouse is definitely a show that I'm shocked that Disney is not putting on Disney Plus just yet there. Yeah. There's really no excuse for it not to be on Disney Plus, you know. Actually, talking of Hanna-Barbera, that reminds me of, like, shows like Venture Bros and uh, Harvey Birdman and Terry and Law. Like, before Jellystone, those were the closest we ever got to an appreciation for all that Harvey are all that Hanna-Barbera did. I mean, exactly. barring, like, freaking Pac-Man and, uh, freaking, uh, like, uh, Charlotte's Web, which they also made. Fun fact. Uh, it was, v it's very interesting that, like, during the night, like, during the midsection of the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of shows were, like, referencing stuff from the past before the present day, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly that. So, yeah. yeah, those would be my choices. Uh, and, Ron, what would you say is uh, your favorite Disney TV show? A cartoon, rather. Okay. Two trains of thoughts of that. One, Mighty Duck. I remember seeing trailers for this on VHSs back in kinder... Back in, like, freaking elementary school. And, honestly, it looked like a fun show. It looked great. It looked interesting. Like... Hell, it was Turtle Mania well after Turtle Mania, let's be honest. But like uh but like I also heard a lot of odd things about it. I've heard a lot of bad things about it as well. But then then I decided to watch it like 2021, 2022 or so. And I was pleasant pleasantly surprised like a lot of the Disney afternoon shows were shot on for like no good reason other I mean, there were some that deserved it, but Mighty Ducks did not deserve that, honestly. <laughs> I I love the characters there. They're a bit carbon copy. They, they're diverse enough. That I honestly did find the whole hockey zen thing a little eh, but it's a really interesting show, and I would have loved to see more about it. However, here's my other train of thought, and my actual number one... Gravity Falls. Come on. There's no beating Gravity Falls. Oh, it is the OG of its kind, and there's not pretty much nothing like it. You can try and replicate it with Amphibia, Big City Greens, Owl House, DuckTales 2017 even. But yeah, but come Gravity on. Falls it's is definitely the, the peak. You know, it definitely is something yeah. that to this day is shocking that you know, Disney Channel Disney Channel 2013, let's say it that way, made it. They were making yeah. this around the same time they made Player Select, where they took a bunch of Let's Plays of like Markiplier and Jack Septiguy, censored the profanity, and put it on TV. That was an actual show that Disney Channel did. Look it up; it's crazy. Oh man! But, yeah, oh man! No. They also did. I think they did this one where where it's like Goat Simulator and like. Oh man! I wanted exactly. to. I watched it because I saw that one line. I was like, Markiplier. But then I saw the episode and I'm just like, 
what the hell? But yes, I will 100% say Gravity Falls is my favorite, favorite show now of of Disney Channel now and forever. I mean, I will 100% vouch for Mighty Ducks, Gargoyle, both DuckTales, Owl House, Big City Greens, freaking Amphibia, and the Ghost and Molly McGee is very much worth your time. But come on, man. It's Gravity Falls. It it has so much charm, so much so much risk, so much character, so much development. Yeah, no, I definitely have to agree. No choice, man. It's the There's pinnacle. no it's other the choice pinnacle. other than maybe Mighty Ducks. And also the Wuzzles. I will say that. Wuzzles is a very, very, very solid close second. I mean, I mean Mighty Ducks... Okay, if I had to pick my top three. Mighty Ducks, Wuzzles, freaking Gravity Falls. That is the order that I will put it in. And I will die by that order. I swear. All right, that's a good one. Uh, Math Machine, what would you have to say? Uh, is your favorite Disney Channel uh, cartoon and why? As much as I do like the new stuff, like uh, the DuckTales reboot or uh, uh, Rapunzel Tangled Adventures. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Really nicely like that today. I got to give it to the OG Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. So far ahead of its time. It's kind of insane. They have an amazing voice cast because, hey, let's just get TNG. Uh, The animation was superb and she got done dirty in that third season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's get uh, the Barack Obama from Rick and Morty into that shit. <laughs> no. Yeah. Gargoyles is is fantastic. That definitely too is another one that, again, you look at it, it's like, how did Disney allow them to get away with this for so long? It was the nineties. Exactly. Especially in the nineties. <laughs> that was the age of like you know the whole parental groups and that. But it was the age of Batman for crying out loud. That too. That too. It was the age of Batman, but a lot of other animation studios were doing that, uh, whereas yeah. Disney was very much in the Gummy Bears, Little Mermaid, Goof Troop kind of thing. They weren't doing yeah. the, they were coming off the, the high of more mature stuff. Like, yeah, they were uh, gradually coming off the high of uh, the Disney Renaissance, and that was yeah. certainly a way to do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, and well, that's you, awesome Evie. those shows that I just do oh, not well. think that they could... Uh, do a continuation of a reboot of today and it would be the same show. I think that it oh, it, it just was a product of its time and unfortunately out the third season was even if they just uh, go like, okay, that doesn't exist. We're just going to start from the end of the second season and do our own thing from there. It just would not be the same. It would not work the same way. I just do not see yeah. uh, them. Thank goodness for the comic. Well yeah, thank goodness for the comics, and thanks goodness for, again, DuckTales 2017, for, like, actively uh, giving Ode and acting as a sort of, like, say, continuation of, like, the series, as it were. Because, man, yeah, those shows really needed more uh, appreciation, and honestly, DuckTales 2017 was the way to go to do it. You know? Definitely, definitely. So, uh, Lucky Evie, uh, what would you have to say? Mm-hmm. Man, I was a part of kid. I don't, I know, I, I didn't watch Disney. Oh, no, well, no, if you none of them at all. One show off the top of your head that you have watched from Disney, what would it be? Nothing. Nothing Fuck. at all. Wow. I told them I was a, I was a kid. Oh, oh well, yeah, I mean, I was too, but like I, I, I fucking grew up on shit like getting Eddie. 
Oh, me too. Me too. One hundred percent. But even I could like appreciate the. Uh, even I could like uh, give Ode where Ode uh, is give one hundred percent due. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now it is time for the uh, most important part of our show, the dragon, the patent pending dragonist scale, where we will be uh, reviewing Nelly today. And I will go first, and I'm going to give her a pretty high score, and maybe a little higher than she deserves, but I'm going to give her a 9 out of 10, because I feel like, uh, number one, the design is just so well done. I feel like she is an incredibly unique dragoness, not just for, like, 1996 standards, but by the ones that are even being made today. She is incredibly unique in that regard. The voice acting is good. The characterization is a lot of fun. Her dynamic with the other characters is good. Even the way, like, you know, her, the way she wears modern clothing is such a fun, unique touch that, again, is not really done with dragonesses that much at all. I know, and right? It's that really, she is so unique. She's just one of a kind in that way. Even though she's based on the reluctant dragon, they basically take, she basically takes that character and it makes it her own. Again, like like the way that she became her own dragon, that's definitely the way that I feel like the character designs took the reluctant dragon and they made it like its own with Nelly. I can't give her a 10 out of 10 as much as I would like to. The only reason she's getting a 9 out of 10 is because I feel like she shows up a little bit too late. Just a, a little bit too late. If she showed yeah. up like in like the first, say, quarter, of, in like the, say, the first quarter of the episode... She probably would have been like a perfect score, but I feel like the biggest problem is she shows up a little bit too late in the episode to really, really do as much as they, as they could have done with her. And again, with Disney not doing much with her in general, but no, nine out of 10, you know, she is so, so good in this respect. Mm, yeah, I, hmm. Okay, I'm going to sound like a dick when I say this, but I kind of want to give her a slightly lower score. Uh, Before I do, though, I want to point out a few negatives of the character. Uh, As fun and as bombastic as as fun, naive, bombastic as as much as much of the reluctant dragon as she ultimately is. I feel that the naivete dampens her down just a little bit not to the point where she's absolutely hateable but enough where i'm like um hmm, yeah that's a little concerning uh also yeah i agree with you saying that like she should have had more time they should have milked her for all she was worth However, those aren't enough to really give her any lower of a score other than say eight out of ten if i was really being a dick seven out of ten but uh because i like her so much and because she's like this is like the only time we ever see nelly i kind of want to do her justice and give her a uh and give her a uh very much needed score Mm -hmm. of eight out of ten you know that's a good one okay yep you're very justifying the reasons i'm glad for that uh math machine what would you have to say well time for math to be a stick in the mud Oh boy! Even I first off, this has always been the thing with me. I do not like the '80s aerobics jazzercise outfits. I've just never liked that on any character ever. I just do not find that. 
uh, a good Ooh. look, and it annoys me for reasons I can't describe. Uh, I did not like her Valley Girl accent. I liked her voice, but I didn't like the Valley Girl way of speaking that she had. And uh, there was just something about her that just did not work in, in general for me. Having said all that, I did like her base design being based on Reluctant Dragon, and I did like how her and Daisy had this dynamic like the Le- the Reluctant Dragon and Sir Giles from the short. Mm. So th- there's good and bad with her, but there was just so much that I just could not stand about her that, unfortunately, I got to give her a five. Oh. Well, no, that's probably just a fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm really glad that it had a reverse uh, reluctant dragon sort of like. I like how Daisy actually like bolstered Nelly instead of like uh, the reluctant dragon, where like uh, the Her young boy pretty much, play. yeah, yeah, exactly. where the young boy pretty much fed into stereotypes more or exactly. less. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, lucky Evie, what would you have to say? I'm uh, looking at a. That's it. Five. All right. Oof. Well, hey, hey, it's, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. It's the, right? it's the hair. It's yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I think all, they yeah, work. I feel the hair works a little bit. It's not like perfect, it, but I'm okay with hair. I don't know. That hairstyle, that hairstyle in particular, is just no. I don't know. I feel like it's a, such a it's a very unique uh, hairstyle. It, it for her, it works. I feel like. On other characters, I could see, but basically her characterization, at least for me, I feel like it kind of works out. So, yeah, if you have any questions or if you want to give Nelly any more gifts, you can email <laughs> us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2019 movie How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World with the Light Fury. Hey, hey. a lot of fun, the... Final finale of the How to Drain Your Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. So yeah, that'll definitely be a lot of fun. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and take care. Yep, later. Peace out. Adios.